1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother, um, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. We'll look at just a moment, but from the words we find in verse 9, his name means... In verse 9, the last phrase, his, his mother named him this, because I bear him with sorrow. His name literally means sorrow. There was something about Jabez that brought his mother sorrow. You're probably thinking, sounds like every kid. Um, but there was something specific about him that caused grief or sorrow. But we find as we read this, these next, uh, this next verse, these next ideas and, and lines that he overcame the sorrow. He under, overcame the grief that was pronounced upon him. He overcame the, the challenges that, that, he, that he faced. And we're going to look at that tonight for just a few moments. And the title of the sermon would be In Spite of the Curse. There was a curse that it appeared to be upon Jabez. But in spite of that curse, he was an overcomer as I believe God wants to help us to be as well. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I thank you for the scripture. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand it, to receive it with gladness. And Lord, would you be our teacher tonight? Guide us in truth. Lord, when we leave this place, we pray that we would be made more like Christ, that you'd be honored by what we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. We don't know much about Jabez. In fact, these are the only two verses we find on record um, where he's mentioned. Uh, that can be a, a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> a good thing, we can just assume that God only wanted us to understand this and know this about him. It can be a bad thing because this invites conjecture and speculation and, and all the attempts to read between the lines. And I'm not going to do much of that tonight, but I think it's okay to at least make some presumptions about him, but we're going to focus on what we have here in our text straight from the Word of God. We know that there was something about this young man, or at least as a baby, that caused this grief, that caused this, this sorrow. We, we look at this, this curse that he received from his birth, whether it was through the pregnancy that his mother uh, was struggling with or some type of pain or, or hardship that she endured. Or maybe it was the delivery of the child. We don't know. We don't know if she even came out of the, um, the delivery room or if it could have taken her life. We assume, or I assumed for a long time, a few days, that uh, the problem was with the pregnancy or the birth, but I don't know, maybe it was a problem with him. Maybe there was some deformity or some complication with his health. And when she sees this child, when the midwife delivers this child, there was something about him that didn't look right. There was something about him that was, was a problem. And thus she said, we're going to name him Jabez. 
Miss Laura could have named Gideon Jabez. It might have been a more fitting name for him. Some of, some of you, uh, you, you can remember going through a difficult pregnancy or a difficult delivery. Brother Seitz was asking me about names, and I thought of this one, but I thought, no, no, reason, to, no reason to give any implications on complications. And uh, so at least wait till the end before you pick this name. But although he was, as it seemed, cursed from his birth, there was something that began to manifest itself in his life. But we too could compare ourselves to Jabez, not because we necessarily have children who are a curse or a, a, a burden or a sorrow, but indeed we from birth had a curse upon us. No, it wasn't identified by physicians, it wasn't um, considered through the pregnancy, but upon arrival, you came with a curse. Let's look at some of that tonight. If you would, turn over to the New Testament and we'll work from reverse. Find your way to Colossians tonight. Colossians chapter 1. If you pass the Gospels and pass Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, you'll hit Colossians Colossians chapter number 1, look at verse number 12 with me. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Over in verse 21 he says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled. Paul says to this church at, Colossian, uh, at Colossae, these Colossians here, he says you were alienated from God. You were, uh, your mind was full of wicked works. He says back here in verse number 12 or verse 13, you were in the power of darkness. He says similar words to the left in Philippians. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse 21. He says who shall change your vile body. He speaks of not just himself or the church at Philippi, but he speaks to us tonight and talks about our vile body, this body that has its villainy, its issues. Keep turning to the left and look at Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we, look at these next two words, or at least the next word, he says, all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, this was natural for us, it came with birth, the children of wrath, even as others. Keep going to the left of 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, speaking now to this church in Corinth, chapter 15 and verse number 21, he says, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, verse 22 says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You inherited something from Adam. You received a dead nature, a fallen nature, a sinful nature. Over in the book of Psalms, 
chapter number 58. I'm just going to read one verse here. Psalm chapter 58, the Bible tells us in verse number 3... That the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. If you find one more passage before we get back to 1 Chronicles, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. There the, uh, the psalmist, though, he says, from birth, humanity seeks after lies. They go astray. And as you well know, you have to teach your children to do right, not to do wrong. That comes natural. You have to teach honesty because lying comes natural. You have to teach kindness for rudeness comes easy and natural. And we find the origin of this in Genesis chapter number 3. This was after Adam and Eve had sinned. Verse number 16, God is, uh, chapter, chapter 3 verse 16, God is declaring judgment When he says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns also and thistles and Thou shalt eat the herb of the field, in sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Here we find all throughout Scripture, and we could look at many more places, where the life that you lived from birth was a fallen of a fallen nature. You were of a sinful existence. You know, we're, we're listening to people all around who say, well, man is just naturally good. Everyone has good within them. We just got to find that good. Well, if you go to the Bible, you find, no, man is actually inherently evil, and you've got to find the good outside of man and allow the, the good outside of man to change the man from the inside out. And there we all were, as, as uh, Paul said in the New Testament, that's how we all were, no exceptions. I know your child is good. You got a good kid. <laughs> I know you we know good people. But can I say tonight with the authority of the Bible we like Jabez were born with a curse. We were born with a need. We were born as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus dead in our sins. Though you were living and breathing at birth, your spirit was dead within you. Here we find Jabez cursed as well. And in humanity, we're all under this curse. And indeed, this curse isn't going to end till God ends this world. It, 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 it won't completely be extinguished till God says it's over. So we're going to deal with it. We not only deal with the curse for, that we deal with ourselves, but we also deal with curses around us. You know, we're living in a generation where there's just an abundance of sin. There's an abundance of immorality. There's there's an abundance of godlessness. If we've ever lived in an anti-Christ mindset, we're living in it today. From our government to businesses, corporations, it just seems like there's a pressure and a push toward a curse. And if you look around you, 
as I referred to it a moment ago, but we sang that song, They Call Me Old Fashioned. As we, as we go through the future, we're going to find that these old-fashioned ways become more and more old-fashioned and even so more quickly. Because as the, the world gets worse, we're going to become more peculiar and stand out a little bit more. And you find even believers, they, they feel like they can't, they can't overcome the pressures of this cursed world. So we want to change our appearance, we want to change our Bible, we want to change our worship, we want to change everything to try to, to, to kind of be more like the world. There's a curse around us. But as Jabez found, there's a possibility to overcome this curse. We find that he trusted regardless. Indeed, he was born with a curse, but he chose to trust God regardless of the, of the curse. Look back here in... 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. In verse number 10, it says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil. First thing we find is Jabez was willing to make the decision to trust. You know, as we live in this cursed day, as we live in this cursed world, even as we live with the old nature, this cursed body, we have to make the decision to trust God. He made a decision to trust God. I'm going to read another verse from the book of Psalms. Don't turn there, but if you want to write it down or mark it in Psalm chapter 49 and verse number, uh, let me read verse 6. It says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches... He's speaking to these people. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceases forever. He says there's no amount of money that you can give to redeem someone. Just like there was no amount of money someone can give to redeem you. As much as we'd like to redeem someone else and bring them to Christ and, and, and motivate them to make a decision... The decision rests upon you tonight. For a person to receive Christ and turn from their sin and turn to the Savior requires a decision. For a man to decide he's going to be the leader of his home requires a decision. For a woman to decide she's going to be a godly mom and raise her children with the Bible as her authority requires a decision. For a church to say we're going to stick with the Word of God and stand upon truth regardless of the curse around us requires a decision. Here Jabez made the decision. I don't know that there's any way to identify the exact time where he's living. But if you would, look down in verse number 13. It says, And the sons of Kenaz, Othniel, and Sarah, and the sons of Othniel, Hathath. Now, if you remember, that, that, word, that name Othniel might kind of ring a bell. That was Caleb's nephew. You find him over in Judges chapter 3 and verse 9. He was one that fought against um, some of the... I sh uh, let me, let's just read there. Turn over to Judges chapter... Number three. I didn't plan on turning here, so I don't even remember what it says. We'll, we'll learn it together. Judges chapter three and verse number 
9, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. So if you could just at least identify the timeline, this is the beginning of the book of the Judges. This is some time after Joshua had left the scene. And this is in a period in the nation of Israel where they were beginning to go astray. There was wickedness all around them. The curse was abundant and abounding. But in the midst of the curse, Jabez decided he was going to trust and make a decision to trust. You see also the humility to trust. You know, he identified through this prayer, he identified that God was the only one that was going to meet his needs. Again, we don't know why he felt as though or his mother chose the name of this because this curse or this, this sorrow that he, he brought with him. It could have been upon himself. This might have motivated him to humble himself before God. Whatever it was, though, he, he identified that God was supreme. The God of Israel could meet his needs and he was going to surrender to him. You know, this decision that we make requires humility. If you're going to come to God, you must come on His terms. You must come in humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. As James says, humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of God. He says, you humble yourself, and God will lift you up. Here, Jabez humbled himself. Through his prayer, we see the humility about him. As he just explains everything that he wants or desires or needs, he's going to trust the Lord for. Through his words, he says, God, I can't fulfill these obligations. I, I don't have the means. I don't have the ability. I don't have the strength. But you do, and I'm going to trust you. So many times among this curse, people are trying to overcome obstacles in their own strength. They think by maybe doing a, working a little bit harder or doing a little better, as that old saying, Brother Hawkins quoted it this morning, trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. If you've never worn boots, you don't know what bootstraps are. You know, those little hooks on the side. And uh, somebody's in here could demonstrate maybe. Um, but there's a, there's a tendency, there's this desire that says, I think I can overcome this. I think I can, I can do good enough in my own strength. I can be the mom. I can be the dad. I can be the student. I can be the employee. I can be the, even the minister in the church, the, the, the servant of people. And I can do it in my own strength. Jabez said, I can't do it. And I'm going to humble myself. And surrender to God. We see that he made the decision to trust. We see his humility to trust. And then we see his ob obedience to trust. In Jeremiah 33, 3. You're probably familiar with this verse. But if you want to turn with me, I'm just going to read it. And many of you could quote it. Where Jeremiah says, or God says, speaking through Jeremiah, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He says, you just call unto me, and I, I want to show you things. I want to do a work in your life. But you're going to have to take the step of obedience. Jabez was willing to obey and step out by faith. Let's look at this prayer very quickly. We're not going to focus on the prayer, but there's several things that come up that are quite encouraging to me. 
Verse number 10 says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying... So here's his prayer in verse number 10. He says, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Here he begins by desiring God's favor. And I think as we look down, I think it'll explain itself, but I believe this was a focus for the spiritual blessing. He desired God's blessing upon his life. Now, sometimes we use that word bless and uh, kind of out of context, or at least uh, we're kind of repetitive with it, and we, you know, as if we got this magic wand, and we say, you know, bless this person, and bless that person, and bless the service, and bless the day, and we just kind of, I think the bless word has lost its meaning. But here Jabez, with sincerity, says, God, I, I pray that you would bless me indeed. He, he, he knew that God had things in store for him. He, he knew that God had promises available for him. And there he trusted that God's blessing would be upon him. He goes on to say in his prayer, and enlarge my coasts. He was praying for God's prosperity. Now, I never have, and Lord willing, never shall be, of the prosperity preaching persuasion because I think it's, it's rubbish. There are people in, in our day, usually on TV, wearing much nicer suits than I'm wearing and uh, driving much nicer cars than I'm driving who say, you just give your money to God and he's going to give back abundantly. You send a dollar to me and God's going to bless you, which is a pretty good sermon. If you want to try it, it might work. You could do it. I'm not going to preach it, but if you want to try it, I'll leave it up to you. Just... On the envelope in the back, mark my name on it. Uh, you can't find that in the Bible. In the world, we shall have persecutions. We shall have tribulations. We shall have trials. You look at the apostles, all of them, besides John the beloved, went to the grave as a martyr. You look at Jesus himself, a man in whom no sin was, yet he received the most pain and punishment that he deserved not. We're going to have trials and tribulations. But I also believe that God has good things in store for us. And he's willing to meet our needs. And he's willing to go abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. Now he's also willing and able to tell us no when we don't need things. You remember, we, we, let, let's take the identity of our Savior or, or God away from just God as creator and place him into the role that he desired us to see him as, as our father. When you look at a father, sometimes a child will ask for things that are extravagant, like ponies and motorcycles and things like that. I know of kids who have asked for cars and, you know, just bizarre things that you wonder why they'd even consider asking for. And the parent knows, no, this isn't good for you. Now, the parent doesn't have the means, but even if they had the means, they would tell the child no. Now, if you didn't realize this already, no is an answer. All right? No is an answer. It's a complete sentence, and it's an answer. And sometimes God tells us no, and he answers us with no. But, you know, all along with that, I think it's wise for us to be willing, if there's a need or even a desire, to ask God about it. We sing that song, Tell It to Jesus. And it goes through, throughout the song, all these things you're struggling with. Tell it to Jesus. Talk to Jesus about it. You know, we'll go to our boss and ask for a raise. 
Why don't we start by asking God? You say, well, it'd be selfish to pray for a raise. Well, it's as, as selfish to ask your boss for a raise. You might as well go to your father first who has the ability to work it out prior to asking your boss. I, I believe God, as our Heavenly Father, desires us to bring those things before Him. Now, I don't think He wants us to come trying to fulfill our lust, as James writes. He says, you know, you're just selfish and you're lustful and you're hoping prayer will bring about your own desires. No, we, we come to God identifying that He is God, that He's our Heavenly Father, that He knows best, that no is acceptable, and but, but God, as a human, these are my needs, and I want to talk to you about them. And Jabez, Jabez did exactly that. He said, God, would you expand my coast? Would you give me a bigger house and more property? Would you, would you enlarge the dwelling place and my family's possession? And one might look at that and say, Jabez, you're a fool. That's a selfish prayer. Well, spoiler alert, look at the last part of the verse. And God granted him that which he requested. He, he, he fulfills his prayer. He answers his prayer and gives it to him. You guys that have just bought a house, you should have prayed for a bigger one like Jabez did. You might have got a bigger one from God. You missed it. Now, again, God doesn't always give us what we want. God doesn't, he knows what we need and he knows our prayer before we ask. But I believe that as Jabez did, he desires that we bring everything before him and we surrender our will to his and we even, you say, well, it's selfish to have the desire. Well, since you have the desire, maybe you ought to confess it to God. If you're not going to ask him for it, confess the desire to him. But we ought to come to him. Jabez said, Lord, I'm going to bring everything to you. I'm not holding back anything. The thoughts that I have, the desires, I know only you can expand or enlarge my coast. So I'm going to ask you and talk to you about it. He goes on to say, and that thine hand might be with me. I see God's protection here. He says, God, I want your hand to be with me as I make my decisions, as I, as I conduct my business, as I raise my family, as I serve you, would you be my protector? Would you go before and, and hedge about this, this path that I'm walking? Would you hedge about my home and my family? I want to surrender them to you. Now, we, again, we don't know if he even had a family, but here he's praying for God's protection, his, his hand to overshadow him and shelter him and be his guide. And then he finishes by saying, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil. And I see here God's providence, that pre preparation of the future. We're not going to turn there, but if we were to look over in uh, Luke chapter 10, is, is one place we find the model prayer that Jesus gives. You're familiar with two that are a, a real reflection here. One where God says, or Jesus says, pray that God would give you your daily bread. You know, that's an interesting request. Because I'd say all of us have food at home. But God still says you ought to, you ought to ask him for your daily bread. Now, it's hard to have faith for something that you already have. Do you agree? If, you've ever, if you don't believe me, in a few minutes when we pray... Ask God for the bread that's in your cabinet already. It's kind of unusual. But you know, I think he's trying to teach us that though we may think we have it all together, we may think the bread's in the cabinet, that we still need to depend upon him. Because there are people that went home tonight who left, maybe not in our, hopefully not in our setting, but there'll be people tonight who will go home to 
maybe a burnt down house or a, a home that's been robbed or a, a place. There are places throughout our world who are dealing with famine and pestilence and disease and war. And there may have been a time in their lives where they'd have never thought it would come to them. God give us that dependence upon him. Where we're depending upon him for the smallest things such as bread. And then he goes on in that model prayer and says, and lead us not into temptation. Now that's an interesting phrase and an interesting, I, I can't completely explain what he's telling us to pray about. Except for just to take him at his word and pray it. Some people have tried to say, well, that was a translation error, for God would never lead you into temptation. But I wonder, like Jabez, if there are things that God would keep from us if we just ask him. There are things that God would do for us if we just ask him. You say, well, you know, this, all these things are going on around me, and the world is just so corrupt, and the curse is so dominating. Well, Jabez said, regardless of that... I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm just going to seek Him. I'm going to pray that He'd provide for me spiritually. I'm going to pray that He would provide for my physical needs. I'm going to pray that He would provide for my safety. And I'm going to pray that He would lead me away from temptation and danger. And look at what He said in that, um, at the end. That Thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. He said, God, I don't want to be grieved by the evil that surrounds me. Would you keep me from it? And we see finally, and in closing, not only that we see that he was cursed from his birth, we see not only that he trusted regardless, but now we see that he was blessed abundantly. Verse number 9 again says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Here a man that began as a curse. He began life as someone with this, this identity that was damaged. But now we find him to be more honorable than his own brothers. It reminds us of someone who's mentioned in my Bible just across the page. Chapter 5 and verse number 2 says, For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. Here's what the last phrase of this verse says, But the birthright was Joseph's. Joseph not being the oldest, not being the strongest, not being the best in the family as far as his identity was concerned. But he was the one who trusted the most and God gave him the most of the blessing. Here Jabez was willing to trust God and he found himself more honored, more blessed than his brothers. And then we already read it at the end, but the last phrase of chapter 10 back in First Chronicles chapter 4, and God granted him that which he requested. See, God wanted to do a work in Jabez's life. He wanted to do a work, I think, in all these people's lives. We see, if you were to start in 1 Chronicles 1 and start reading, it would take you a while to get to chapter 4. After many names, and many names, and many names. And you could keep reading all the way to chapter 10. And there's more names and more names. How many of you guys just recently read this? A few of you. It's tough, isn't it? I was telling someone this the other day, about a week ago when we were in the middle of this, in the thick of it, I laid down in bed and I just wasn't that tired. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go read for a few minutes. Well, I was in, I think, chapter 8. 
It didn't take long until I got real tired, <laughs> tired of reading these names, trying to sound out these names. And I'm not minimizing the significance of them. For if your name was in the middle of this, you'd probably want to read it and want everyone else to read it too. And this was the identity that Israel had as a nation. But few times, very few times, do you see anything about any of those people. They were there, but it was like they were just a speck and a blimp through history. And then a man like Jabez, though we don't know much about him, God chose to place in his word, though there's just two verses, something about him, something, he was, he was a little different than the rest. He rose to the occasion when none else would. Let's read one more verse in closing. Second Chronicles chapter number 14. Turn over there with me. We're not going to really give any details regarding the kings and the battles of the time, but these two verses will kind of let you know what's taking place. Chapter 14 of Second Chronicles, verse 11 says, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with few. I'm sorry, or with uh, many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we, we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. He says, God, it, it makes no difference whether there's a great multitude or if there's not many. If we have great power, if we have no power, it's just as easy for you to help us. And he put his confidence in God, and the Bible tells us that God delivered him and helped him. Over the next chapter, we find him in the midst of another difficulty. But instead of crying out to God, he sought the nations that were around him and, and gathered help from them. And in verse 9, here's what we find of chapter 16. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore henceforth thou shalt have war. He said to Asa, Asa, I'm looking for someone that I could show myself strong on their behalf. But because you failed to seek me, you're going to have war and you're going to have to fight it in your own strength. Throughout the book of Judges, throughout this area where we read in First Chronicles, God was looking for someone to show himself strong. And a man who was unlikely, a man who had not strength in his own might, said, I'll be that man. God, I'll trust you. And God blessed him. I wonder today, in the midst of a fallen world, in the midst of a cursed world, I wonder if there'd be people here tonight who would say, in spite of the curse, I'm going to obey God. In spite of the curse, I'm going to stand faithful for God. In spite of the peer pressure and the trends and the popular ideas that abound, I'm just going to stay faithful to God. In spite of the standards that are dropping and the Churches who are 
turning liberal. A church that would say, you know, in spite of the curse, we're just going to remain true to the word of God. In humility, that's how I want my life to be. And I know there are many of you that would say the same thing. That's why you're at church on a Sunday night. In unpopular times, in a cursed world, let's continue to live for God in spite of the curse. Let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for the encouragement you give us from your word. I thank you for men like Jabez who refused to be just a name on the page, but he rose above his beginning and his difficulties and you blessed him for it. Lord, help us as a people, as a church, as believers to overcome the obstacles with your power and allow you to work in us. Lord, we need your hand of blessing in our lives. We need your guidance into the future. And Lord, we need the power of God that it might quicken us and deliver us. And we pray that we'd be surrendered to you, that you might show yourself strong on our behalf. 